0: the Pharisees ask him to eat with him how many of you know you're in trouble when the Pharisees ask you to come and eat and he went to the Pharisees' house but you know what Jesus didn't turn him down he said okay I you know Jesus will get all up in that religious mess he will he's got something to show you right so he'll go ahead and get up in there so so he went to the Pharisees house. And he sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner. Look at that. She was a sinner. Can you imagine? When she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask or alabaster jar of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed, everybody say anointed, them with the fragrant oil. She anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said, uh, he spoke unto himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is, who is touching him for she is a sinner you see it was uncommon and not appropriate for a sinner or an unclean thing to touch you if you were jewish and so he was saying if he were a prophet he would recognize that this woman was a sinner and that he wouldn't allow her to touch him and jesus answered to him and, and said unto him simon i have something to say to you so he said teacher say it there was a certain creditor who gave two debtors One owed 500 uh, denarii, and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will he love more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave the more. And he said unto him, You have rightly judged. He then turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered into your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair of her head. And you gave me no kiss, but this woman has ceased, uh, has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. I want to stop right there and I want to preach to you tonight a little bit about the anointing on our life and God's economy for our anointing on our life. Amen? So bow your heads and hearts with me. Father God, we thank you for your word. We ask that you give increase to your word. In the name of Jesus, we thank you. And the church said amen. And amen. You see, uh, I'm actually, I'm I'm doing something that I would almost never do tonight, and and my wife will be able to uh, testify to this, and she would probably tell on me if I didn't give this disclaimer, I am borrowing a word, this word, the primary parts of this word from my friend Kenneth Campbell, Logan Campbell, and this is a word that he preached to us, and it spoke into my heart so much, and I, and I remembered it today, and I began to ponder on the anointing and just begin to think about what God uh, is doing in our lives and what God is doing in his people through the anointing, and so I began to dig up some of the notes that I had upon this and expound on that, and so this evening I want to talk to you for just a few moments on the economy of God's anointing or the economy of the anointing. You see, I need you the first thing that you need to understand with regard to the economy of God's anointing is that there is a difference between gifts and anointing. There's a difference between gifting and anointing. You see the Bible says that that he gives out gifts, that we have the gifts of the Spirit. Amen. And so we, uh, we, we have the ability to begin to have gifts if we pray to God, the Bible says if we pray to God for spiritual gifts if we ask the Holy Spirit to pour out His gifts, the Bible says that He will give them out severally as He will as much as He wants to He will give them out and so giftings are, are something that come and the Bible says that the, that the gifts and the callings are without repentance and so a gift is something that you can get for free a gift is something that God gives out regularly and freely. I, I need you to understand that if you lay hands and pray for somebody, that wasn't something that you did. I, I, I just I get, I get, I get kind of cracked up looking around at pre- preachers who think they have some kind of power in their hand, that when they lay hands on somebody and then they see God do some work in their life, all of a sudden there seems to be some kind of ability within this hand to do something. And, and, and I'm reminded in the scripture that uh, that we we have no control over anything i I read I believe it was uh, A.W. Tozer he said as if we have the ability to change our own eye color we don't have the ability on what color our eyes are any more than we have the ability to, to provoke or do something in the giftings that God has given unto us but yet we see people walk around what the reason you know that it cracks me up to see people pray for folks and God does something mighty through your prayer and then all of a sudden you think you've got something When really all that you've got is something that was free The gifts are free That's the reason they're literally called a gift How many of y'all ever paid for a gift? It wouldn't be a gift if you had to pay for it, right? And And so the giftings are different from the anointing That's the first thing that you've got to understand with regard to anointing Is that it's not the same thing as a gifting Because a gift is free but anointing will cost you An anointing is going to cost you. You see, many people are gifted... That's the thing, we walk around and and, and this is the difference between God's economy and the economy of God with regard to anointing and the economy of this world because we, even in the church, we come to church every Sunday and we put on our eyes and our eyes are the eyes of the world and so when we look and we sit in the pew and we begin to look around, we begin to see the giftings that are in people and we begin to covet the giftings that are in other people. You don't need to act holy tonight. It's okay, I know we've all done it. We've walked in and we've sat down and we said, if only I could do it like that one, or if I could only do that like that, then I would do. I would be doing so many great things for God. If I could just have the giftings that they have, then I would be able to really do what God's called me to do. But I've got news for you tonight: the gifts are all free, and He deals them out as severally as He wants to. But we put on the world's eyes and the world's economy, and we begin to look at gifts as though there's something to brag about. And Paul said, "It's not by works, lest any man should boast, but by His power." Amen. Not by might, not by uh, uh, what is it? Not by not by whatever it is, but by my spirit, says the Lord. I, hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Amen. You see that there, there are many people that are gifted. You can look around the church today, and you know I, I go into churches and I see. Many people that have great giftings. I've walked in churches and walked out and said, Man, that was a church full of talented people. But there was no anointing in the house. I, 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 have a, I would never name drop, but I have a church in my mind that I remember that we went into to minister one time. And I remember thinking, This church is full of some of the greatest, most gifted people. But I left that church not being ministered to because there was such a spirit of competition in that church from one gift to another. There were so many gifts flowing throughout the church and they were in competition with one another. But they didn't understand that everything they had was freely given to them. They didn't understand that everything they had was not anything of their own, but it was simply a gifting. They were given an open title. An open deed. They weren't given the closed deed. It wasn't theirs. They were were given the open deed and they thought they had ownership of something. But you see, the anointings, the, the gifts are free and anybody can have them. But the anointing is costly. Just like this alabaster jar, this great, this great jar of fragrance that she had. Uh, there's all kinds of speculation about the true cost of this, but I, I heard one person analyze it like this, that if if you were to break it down into today's uh, economy and in, in, in natural wealth, that it would be enough fragrance to, to buy a couple Ferraris. So this was a, a costly, costly thing in order to anoint. And... and and she was anointing the feet of Jesus. Yet she broke it. And what did she do? She, she, she did something that she could, was irrevocable. When she broke the jar, it wasn't something she could go back on anymore. She didn't say, I'm going to open the jar. You know, no doubt the jar had a lid. no no doubt the anointing jar had some kind of a lid on it that she could have opened it up and used it sparingly and it was no doubt fragrant enough that just a few drops would have filled the room with fragrance but she said no this anointing that I have is costly and I know it's going to cost something for me it's not free like any old gift that I could get it's not just something free to be thrown around but it's costly and I'm going to break this jar and I'm going to spill out everything that I have and I'm going to mix it together with my tears and i'm going to begin to wash the savior's feet amen you see the the world's economy is that you need gifts but heaven's economy is that you need anointing we're so worried about giftings when we need to be worried about anointing sister sharon we're so worried about what we're able to do instead of what we're able to do in the Spirit of the Lord. We're, let, let me let me just break this down for you. Many people are saying in the church today, I don't know what use I am in the church. I don't know what I'm able to do. Many people get a little bit older or, or, or mature in age, and they, don't, they think, well, I'm not useful to the body anymore. But I've got news for you. I'm not interested as much in your gifts as I am interested in the anointing that's on your life. And I'm telling you that if there's anything that we need, in the church today it's people that will pray for the anointing to break loose in a church today because I don't care how good our programs get I don't care how good our music gets I don't care how mediocre my preaching comes up to but I just care if there's an anointing in the house I care if when people come in they're bound by a yoke but the anointing gets a hold of their life and the yoke is burst off if nothing more happens if I were to stand up here and things were to be a seam Dry, and they would they wouldn't it wasn't fun to watch, and it wasn't entertaining to to listen to with the praise and worship. But there was an anointing in the house, and when people would walk in, their lives would be changed. That's a church that I would go to. You can have all the giftings you want. I can go to a, a concert and watch people use their gift for God. But what I want to go into is a house that's full of the anointing. I want to go into a place that's full of the anointing. You see, one thing that we need to understand, number two thing we need to understand about the anointing is the anointing, the economy of the anointing is based on supply and demand. Supply and demand. What do you mean, Brother Paul? What do you mean by the account- the economy of the anointing is based on supply and demand? I'm telling you that there comes a time in a generation, and I believe we're living in this time right now when there is a when when there is a famine in the land, and the famine is not of food; it's a famine of the Word of God. When there's a famine in the land, and it's not it's not just of, of the things in the natural, but it's a spiritual famine that people are dealing with, and I believe we're in a time right now. I was reading a while ago the first the book of 1 Samuel, and it was talking about Eli, and it said the word of the Lord was scarce in those days. There was no word and no revelation in those times, and I believe that we're in a season and in an hour where there's not much rhema word that's being spoken in the church. There's a bunch of parrots that are parroting something that worked yesterday, and a bunch of people who are trying to recreate something that happened last Year or last uh, 10 years ago, or, or whatever, but there's no real uh, revelation of the Word of God. There's no real anointing. And so, what I'm telling you is the anointing of God in the, God's economy is based on supply and demand. Do you understand supply and demand? What I'm telling you is that when it's scarce, it's even more costly. What I'm telling you is when there's a church full of people that are anointed, then anointing comes easy and you you can come in and you can become anointed because there's there is power and there is there is a, 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 a sanctuary in the in the multitude of counsel. When there is an anointing on everybody around you, then it's easy to have an anointing on your life. But when there's a, when the anointing is gone by and large from you, then it's hard to have an anointing for you to keep. What am I saying? I'm saying when you work in a when you work in a workplace or go to a school that's full of hell all week long, then it's hard to carry an anointing. It's hard because it's based on supply and demand. And when it's not, when it's not being supplied and there's a strong demand, then it's more costly than it's ever been before. What am I saying? I'm saying that the anointing if we're going to have it as a church is going to cost us more than it's ever cost us before. What is it going to cost us? Well, it's going to cost us maybe popularity. It's going to cost us to not be like some of the other uh, churches or some of the other preachers who would would say whatever it takes to get folks in the door, who would water down the message, who would who would uh, live a substandard life or begin to make concessions upon what this holy book says. And we're going to we're going to not be as maybe as popular as some of the other crowd, but I'm telling you, I would trade any day of the week, I would trade popularity for the anointing of God. Amen. I know the word of God says the anointing destroys the yoke, but I need you to understand this too. Sometimes the anointing of God will feel like it's destroying you. Sometimes the anointing will feel like it's destroying you. Why? Because it's costly. Because when God is trying to work something out through you, He has to first work it out in you. And so when you're trying to become anointed, I need you to understand that that when you're trying to become anointed in your life, that it doesn't come without pain. It doesn't come without a cost. It doesn't come without travailing in the Spirit and and, 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 and getting alone with God and saying, God, I need the anointing on my life. You see, I, I found this out that most people need, and this is the most valuable advice you could ever get with regard to the anointing. You need to write this down. If you if you don't write anything down tonight, I need you to write this down. I need the, the 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 one thing that people get wrong more often than anything else with regard to ministry. The reason that more people are hurt than and leave the church on a regular basis is this: people need hurt need to learn how to stay hidden until God is ready to reveal you. You need to learn how to stay hidden until God is ready to reveal you. God has a perfect plan for your life. And He has an anointing that only is for you. And He has a, he has a powerful thing that He's calling you to do. And we get so caught up with our microwave society that we want to jump out and begin to do the things that we know God has caused us to do. We want to jump into it. We want to jump. But he's saying, I need for my people, I need you to hear me, church. There are people in this church that are called to do major, major things. And I'm not just talking about in the natural. I am talking about the natural. But I'm talking about in the spiritual realm of things. You're called to do a mighty work. But the enemy doesn't need to know about you. God has you as one of his choice arrows in his quiver. And he's got you reserved there. Until the timing is right for him to strike the blow at the enemy. And I'm telling you that many of us jump out of the quiver way too soon. And we don't leave ourselves hidden until the time of God's revealing. Because we get so zealous and we get so desirous of God's promises to come forth in our life, that we jump ahead of the plan of God. So we need to learn how to stay hidden until God is ready to reveal us. You see, the economy of the anointing is also production and consumption. Supply and demand and production and consumption. You see, and the problem in this production and consumption economy is that we get anointing on our lives and we begin to give and give and give and give out of that anointing and give and people are sure able to consume because people, listen, if you get an anointing on your life, people will flock to you. It's not because you're popular, it's because the power of God is popular. It's because the anointing on your life becomes popular and people are ready to receive from that anointing. They're ready to pull on that anointing. Have you ever heard the term pulling on the anointing? Putting a demand on the anointing. They they pulling and pulling and pulling. But the but the anointing, the economy of the anointing is production and consumption. And the problem is we give and give and give, but we never stop to receive. We never stop to refill. There, you know what I've noticed in my life? Is that you, that people by and large, 90% of people, are one of two things. They are either givers or receivers, but hardly ever both. People are either givers or they're receivers, but almost never both. And, and I would want to submit to you today that we would like to say that those who receive are the bad guys and those who give are the good guys. But I'm telling you, both are wrong. Because in God's economy, He wants us to give and receive. And give and receive. And a well-rounded Christian, a well-rounded person, will know and recognize when to give and when to receive. They'll be able to give with a cheerful heart and receive with a thankful heart. And give with a cheerful heart and receive with a thankful heart. You see I I've, I've met so many people and they are great givers but they they have a problem with receiving. They don't want to receive something from you. And I need you to understand that you're robbing someone else of their blessing when you don't receive what God is trying to do through other people in your life. He's trying to get that person to understand the obedience of giving when he says to give and you're stopping up the flow of the anointing in their life by stopping what they're trying to bless you with. And so we need to recognize that there's an economy with the anointing the same way is that we need to give out of the anointing, but we need to stop and gain the anointing in our life and pray for the anointing in our life. I told Sister Sharon today, I said, if there's one thing I need you to do, sis, it's I need you to pray for the pastor's anointing. I need you to pray every week that God would refill my tank with anointing because there's people that are pulling on the anointing and there's an economy behind the anointing that says I can't give and give and give out the anointing without wearying in it. But I need the ability to recharge and to revitalize the anointing. That's in my life, and so do you. You. You see, the anointing destroys the fleshly yoke. And the anointing also will prepare you for seasons uh, seasons of transition. The anointing will prepare you for seasons of transition. What am I saying? I'm saying when the anointing comes, there's a fragrance that fills the air. When the anointing comes, there's a fragrance that fills the air. If there's a fragrance, there's a matter of fact. We, here's a prime example. We plugged in some, some, uh, whatever they're called. I'm lost for words tonight. Air freshener. We plugged them in in here, and I remember coming in the other day. And and all it was like something crawled up in my nose and began to just pull on my nose hairs because it was it was so offensive. And and I I mean it's a good smell. You know, it's not it's not I'm not gonna go any farther. It's not a bad smell. It's a good smell, but it was offensive to my nose. And I and I and I couldn't help but begin to think when the anointing begins to flow in your life that there's a fragrance that comes with that. And that fragrance, because it's a sweet-smelling fragrance to God, can easily become an annoyance to the enemy. It can easily become just something that crawled up in the enemy's nose and even though it smells sweet and it smells of honey it's terrible. He just can't stand it. And what does that mean? It means that there are people that might be in your life but when the anointing comes all of a sudden what seems to be drawing so many people to you is the same thing that's pushing so many people away from you. Why? Because there's a fragrance that comes with it. Why? Because the anointing is a thing that causes you to be ready for a transition in your life. Sister Nelson, I believe that there's an anointing that's on you is an anointing that's going to come forth from you, but it's also an anointing that is for you for this season of transition because there's the anointing around you that's going to cause the right people to cling to you and the wrong people to be rebuffed by you and be put off and say I've got to go the other direction. It may smell good to you, but it doesn't smell good to me. Why? Because God is trying to weed people out of your life. You see, some of us aren't serious enough about the anointing of God on our life because if we would we would start allowing those people out of our life and some of us and I'm just going to go ahead and get in your mail today some of us would start severing those relationships on our own because we don't need some stinky smell to tell us that they aren't the right crowd for us that they're just not the right people for us I'm not saying they weren't good for last season but they're not good for this season God has used them maybe in your life before but right now you're a Anointing is above theirs. There are many people who are walking around, and you you have an anointing that's greater than the atmosphere of the people that you hang out with. You have an anointing that's more than their anointing. It's greater than what God's calling on your life at this stage. And I'm not knocking them, but it's greater. The anointing on your life is greater than the anointing that they're walking in. And yet we we get so caught up in our relationships and what's going to happen in the natural if I address this. this situation but I'm telling you if you were serious enough about the anointing of God on your life you would cut some people out that are stunting your growth they're stunting your growth and I need you to understand this too if the anointing costs a lot then sometimes it takes a long time if we say that the anointing is costly nothing that is costly comes quickly so it's going to take a while you know a beautiful flower takes a while to grow and bloom but weeds grow fast weeds grow up fast and there are people in our lives that are weeds that are trying to suck the anointing out they're trying to break it. How many of you, I'm not even a gardener, but I know this, that if you allow weeds to get over the top of your plants, they will literally stop the sun from shining on the plant, and they will snuff the life out of that plant. because they. And it's the same way in our life. If we don't get the weeds out that grow quicker, they grow fast. Why? Because it's because they're, it's false growth. It's not even real growth. But they we see people, let, let me break this down so that you understand it a little bit better. We're in the church, and we're sitting alongside, Somebody, and then all of a sudden, that person seems like they're going. You know, all of a sudden, they're going places, and I'm still sitting still. I'm not doing anything. That you know, I'm 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 just waiting around. They they seem like that he's already the assistant pastor, and I haven't done nothing yet. I've been sitting in my chair. I've got news for you. Good growth does not happen fast. It doesn't. It doesn't work quickly like that. And God is trying to not only keep you. I already said this, but you got to let God keep you hidden until He's ready to reveal you, because good growth is slow. Growth, and I'm telling you that he's he's calling you to be something bigger than those other people who have this false sense of fast track. We get fast track Christianity. I don't I I I just gotta say this, this is just me and my soapbox, but I'm not a fan of 18 year old pastors. There's a reason that I was 35 before I became a pastor, and I still feel like I'm really young. But there's a wisdom that needs to be in place. And I believe that God will supernaturally bless some people with wisdom beyond their years. But by and large, we need to have lived a little bit. And we need to let the anointing stew and work and build in our lives and let God begin to let us come forth at the time of our coming forth. Amen? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Production and consumption production and consumption see God is preparing you for that season of transition with your anointing but I need you to understand that unprocessed product will never last through the transition unprocessed anointing will never take you through the transition will never get you from where God has you to where he's called you to be we have to process, we have to go through it we have to go to the blacksmithing shed, we've got to let the fire get upon us, we've got to let the hammer hit us, we've got to let the grinding wheel get a hold of us we've got to be dipped in the water and go through the process over and over again until we are exactly who he's called us to be because we need the anointing on our life, amen stand to your feet with me tonight we need the anointing we need the anointing We need the anointing. The church... Needs the anointing. I need the anointing. We as a body need the anointing. The worship team needs the anointing. The outreach ministry needs the anointing. The men's ministry needs the anointing of God. The the greeting and usher staff needs the anointing. Hospitality needs the anointing. They need to know that every time they go up and greet somebody with a good morning, how are you, that those words are carried by the anointing because somebody is out there that's waiting and saying, they've never been, they haven't been loved in a long time and they've got a heart that's of stone and and God will use your words how simple they are if they're carried by the anointing to break yokes off of lives so I don't know about you tonight but I just want the anointing I want to have God's economy for the anointing I don't want to move too fast I don't want to get ahead of it I want to walk in the anointing that he's called me to walk into hallelujah hallelujah can you sing "Anointing Fall on Me"? It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a second for them.
1: Amen. Hallelujah! Anointing.
0: Thank you, Jesus. I want you, if you will, and you're at your seats, to just begin to lift your hands and say, "God, anoint me, anoint me for this season." You see, there's a season that's coming. There's a season that's coming. And, and, and it's already here. We talked about it a, several weeks ago. We've already crossed over and we are now in Gilgal. We're in the place of our transition. We're in the spot where things are going to begin to unfold. And so we need more than ever. We need the anointing to carry us from this point. Brother Dennis, you need the anointing to carry you into this new job. You need the anointing that's strong, that will keep you blessed and keep you in the blessing of God. And we need the anointing. Sister Mindy, you need the anointing to transition you into the missionary work that He's calling you to. You need this season where the anointing can begin. It's costly and it takes a while and it may even hurt. It may it may burst the yoke, but it also may feel like it's breaking you because it's, it, it, it's costly and it's time to move. It's, it's time to have something strong, because I'm telling you something that I find out every single day. I find this out every week. I find this out. God, I need more anointing. The more people he brings to the church, the more anointing that I need. And I feel like, God, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what you were doing. What were you thinking, putting me in this position? And he said, my anointing is enough, Paul. You just need to pray that the anointing would be enough to carry you through. You don't need wisdom. You don't need knowledge. You just need my anointing on your life. He said, I will provide the increase. So I want you to raise your hand right where you are and just begin to say anointing. Fall on me. Anointing.
1: Anointing. Anointing. Fall on me. Let the power.
0: got let's